Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. I want to share a quick story to start off and kind of lead into what we want to talk about today. As you can tell from the video, it's life group season. And so we're going to talk about the power and the importance of community today. But I heard a story last week or week before last, I can't remember, um, uh, from a guy who was uh, an SEC football coach. He was, his name is Mark Rick. Anybody heard of Mark Rick? Georgia football coach. Yeah, he was coached there for like 15 years and then ended up his career at Miami and coached there for three years and then he retired. Well, the other day I was at a luncheon and he was a speaker. I was so amazed at this guy. I mean, just like such a heart for God. There's so many people in the limelight and in the spotlight who don't get credit. Really, they, 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 they portray them as one way, right? But man, I'm telling you, these guys' hearts, his heart for his kids, his heart for his teams, he just loves Jesus. And so anyway, he was sharing the story about being in the gym. And he said, I was uh, doing front raises with dumbbells. And he said, I had 15 to go. And, and he said, I got to like 12 and just could not go anymore. And he said, I had to sit down on the bench. And he said, I felt like this elephant was on my chest. He said, this, this, this red hot feeling came over me. And he's like, I, I just, I didn't know what was going on. I knew something wasn't quite right. And he's like, maybe I could go to the, to the locker room, to the bathroom and like splash water on my face. So he gets up and he walks to the bathroom and, and he sits down and splashes water, sits down on the bench that's in, inside that area. And he realized I'm, I'm having a massive heart attack. <laughs> Like, I, I need help right now. And so he said, I just kind of laid down on the bench and, and yelled, help. He said, nobody came. Nobody heard him. He was in there by himself. He was alone. But he said, I had this thought in that moment of like, if I don't get up and take the 30 steps out the door, down the hallway, and out into this community of people that, that are working out, I'm going to die. I need help. And nobody can hear me right now. So he said, I took those 30 steps and, and, and got out. And he said, I just made it through the doorway and I hit my knee and just was like, oh, help. And he said, immediately all these people came rushing because that's where the people were. They came rushing. They were like, hey, lay down. They put this pillow under your head. You know, well, you need some water. And he's like, just pour it on me. I, don't, I can't even drink it. I'm so hot right now. And he was like, you're just having a massive, massive heart attack. But he said he got to the hospital and, and he, he was laying on the, the operating table or whatever it are, is in the ER. And he said, I was laying there and they kept asking me, how do you feel now? And they would do something and he'd say, how do you feel now? And he's like, I still feel the same. Why do you keep asking me all these questions? Like, just fix me, help me. And he said, all of a sudden it started to get dark. And like this darkness started to close in and all of a sudden it's just, it was gone. And he said, but I was still awake. Like conscious, I was aware of what was going on. And he said, in that moment, I had this overwhelming peace, this overwhelming peace that I was going to be fine. And he said, I, I just knew I was about to meet Jesus. <laughs> and I think he really was the way he told the story. Uh, and he said, I just had this overwhelming peace. And all of a sudden, this voice says, wake up, <laughs> wake up. He said, I opened my eyes and it was the nurse again. And he's like, I'm still alive. I'm on the bed, thank God. 
But the whole purpose of me telling this story is that because he got into the right community, right? Then he was standing on this stage, not this one, but the one I was listening to him at, walking in his destiny. I I firmly believe this, y'all. This is not just a rhyme game. (laughs) These words will rhyme so you can remember them, but, but it's not just a rhyme. I believe that when you get in the right community, it will present the right opportunities in your life that will lead you to your destiny. I'm telling you, I, I believe it wholeheartedly. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So before we jump in, I'm going to pray uh, and then we'll dive in. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, uh, for the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for your help. I thank you, Father, for just speaking to us today. Show us your heart for us, Father. Show us the importance of community. I believe that you created the greatest community ever. And you started it out that way for a reason. You, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Father, I thank you, Lord, for creating that first, I believe, first community. And that's the one you really want us to be a part of. But, Father, I know that you've given us all these other communities and other groups of people to bless us and to help us grow and to do exactly what you called us to do. And so, Father, we just love you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you brought your Bibles with you, go ahead and open those up real quick. Turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. And I'll see if I can unlock this. There we go. It worked. Thank God. (laughs) Um, 1 Peter 5 and 9. I I love this this story here um, uh, where Peter, it's not really a story, but he's just like preaching here. And he's talking about, he says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humility is key in life. If you're going to do anything, you need to humble yourself, right? And it says, uh, so that he may exalt you in proper time, casting all your anxiety on him um, because he cares for you. Did you know to to cast your cares, to, to cast all your anxieties on him, you have to humble yourself and be willing to admit that you can't deal with them? And then you give them to him. But you've got to humble yourself before you do that and say, Lord, I can't do this. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I need help. That's called humility. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be of a sober spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren all over the world. Now, one thing I notice here is that we have an enemy. There is an adversary. He's prowling around and he always waits for these opportune moments, right? When we're like facing something that's about to come up that's big or he's like, what I have found is that when the enemy is hitting you the hardest, it's because he's the scaredest. (laughs) I'm serious. When he's coming at you sideways, stop. Do everything in your power to stop and say, thanks for the reminder, you fool. (laughs) Because now I know I'm about to walk in something amazing. I know I'm about to bless somebody else or do something amazing for the kingdom of God. And he is absolutely terrified. That's his nature. That's his character. But he does seek whom he may devour. And I honestly believe the ones that are the easy prey, so to speak, are the ones that are alone, out of community. Uh, have you ever seen a school of fish? Anybody ever seen a school of fish, like on TV or anything? Throw that video up real quick. I actually filmed this uh, uh, last, this past spring. Uh, we were uh, rented a pontoon boat. We went out and and I, I saw this sail on the beach, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" So I'm like, I followed him around for like 30 minutes, literally, and I, I like waved my hand right here, and 
and the shadow like literally just makes them move right there see how like they they move but look how in unison they are and so one thing I was looking for in this video was like okay who's the leader you know, I'm like, who's leading this pack? You know, because you always think of a, a big group of people, so there's got to be one leader, right? But in this group, it seemed like everybody was kind of leading as they needed to because they're going in this circle. It's like they all had each other's back. It was this tight unit. And so I'm standing there on the beach. Our dogs are out there with us. My wife Kelly's out there, and, and we're just having a good time. But I'm just mesmerized at this little school of fish because the one thing I realize when I'm watching them, I'm like, community is key for even them, for survival, because once they, like the cool thing about a school of fish is when they get tight like that, when they're, when they're all together, they seem like something bigger. And when the enemy, the bigger fish, the real big, the red fish or whatever comes in there to try to eat them, if it sees them all tight together, it immediately knows, I'm not messing with that. I don't know what that is, but I'm not messing with that. And it goes the other way. It tricks them, right? And so uh, what I did notice is that, like, I would walk through the middle of it. I was, like, trying to, you know, like a kid. I'm, like, trying to mess the, the school of fish up, you know. And they would, they would separate and they would go away, but they would always come back together. They always kept coming back together. And it was like there was protection in numbers, right? There was protection in this community. And, you know, that's a little bitty school of fish. I mean, it was only like a foot or two feet around. But I have seen schools of fish that are massive, that literally churn up the water. I'll be fishing in my kayak when we go to the beach as well on the Gulf side. And you see, you know, thousands and thousands of these massive fish in a school like that. But these fish are all huge. And so they're churning the water up. And, and when you fish, you, you don't throw into the middle of that school because they're smarter because they're all together. You throw on the edges when you can catch the ones out by themselves. Because when they're out by themselves, they don't know. They get confused, right? And they'll just bite at anything. And so there's key in having community, it's a key. You've got to have a strong community around you. Anybody know what a swordfish is? It's the one with like a billfish with the long sword on the end of its nose. I used to think that they would stab the fish. Like that's what that was for, but it's not. It's not for that at all. It's actually meant to disorient schools of fish like this. They get in the middle of these giant schools and they slash their nose side to side. And it's not even to hit the fish. It's just to literally cause a disturbance in the community to get you out of, to get them out of community. Because when you get out of community, it's easier to become prey. Now you're hearing, I heard, I heard the ears perk up just then. <laughs> um, and so there's three things I want to talk about today. Uh, and, and they're really simple, real easy to remember, but community, opportunity, and destiny. I truly believe that if you get in the right community, it'll lead you to the opportunities and these opportunities will lead me to my destiny. I'm standing here because of it. I'm telling you, we're going to get into a little bit more. But I love definitions. And so we're going to define all three of those things real quick. Uh, and, and then we'll, we'll continue. But, but before, I think you need to understand like, what this really means. It'll help later on. Uh, community is just simply a group of people living in the same place, really simple, or having the same attitude, the same interests, and the same goals. This is a big deal, right? Like if I'm going to get in a community, I need to get in a community. Uh, when I do get in a community, it's because I'm near them. It's my family or friends or my coworkers or whatever it is. You have community whether you realize it or not. Um, but what's key is what kind of attitude they have, what kind of interests they have, and what kind of goals they have in their life. That's big 
right? We need to analyze, and, and that's why we're here today, so we can analyze what's going on in that. Uh, this, the next one is opportunity. It's real simple. A set of circumstances that make it possible to do something. That's really simple, cut and dry. And then the third one, destiny, is really simple as well, but I didn't know what destiny even meant. I mean, I kind of thought I did, but it's like this mysterious word, destiny. It sounds so big. It just means your future. When I read this one, it stopped. I literally was like, oh, wow. Okay, so uh, let's turn to Jeremiah 29.11. I think you probably all know this verse, but Jeremiah 29.11, it says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not for calamity. Welfare, we're going to come back to that one, and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. This word future is destiny. You got to dig. When you get in the word, it's awesome to read it for, for right here, right? To read it for face value. That's awesome. The anointing's on it. Praise God. He can use this. But I, I don't know about you guys, but when I started to dig into the word a little bit and find out, okay, it says future, but what does that mean? It says welfare, but what does that mean? Does it mean more than what I'm just seeing on the surface? And you find you a concordance or you find the Greek and the Hebrew. I know that sounds confusing, but if Luke can do it, I promise you, you can do it. <laughs> you can dig into this thing. And so this word welfare, I actually found out it means friendship. It means human relationship. And when it refers to God, it actually means a covenant with God. Okay, so let's go back. He declares, I, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a friendship, plans for a relationship with people. And not for calamity, which is means like loneliness and bad, to give you a future, to give you a destiny and a hope. But I believe it's all tied to the people you're around, wholeheartedly. I wrote this, and I also believe if, if your destiny doesn't include other people in it, it might not be God. I'm just saying, if your destiny doesn't include people, like getting around other believers, people of like minds, I'm, I'm just, I'm afraid that you've, you've been deceived. You, we were never created to be alone in anything. I mean, you look at back in Genesis, and, and God said, look, it's not good that Adam's by himself. It's not good that he's alone. So I'm going to create him a helper, right? I'm going to create somebody, a person, people, so that he can have more people to be around. And he told them to create more people and more people. God's all about people, and I think we should be too. Um, uh, I know... Uh, We'll go to that next screen. I'm telling you, I say that all the time, but uh, if you'll get in the right community, there we go. Thank you, screens. Uh, if, when you get in, the right, in, in a community that has an, an attitude of gratitude, we said the right a community is people uh, who have the, have the same attitude, but it needs to be of gratitude and are interested, have the same interest in the things of God and who have a main goal to know him more, it will lead you to your destiny that I believe that God has set for you wholeheartedly believe that. I know uh, in my life personally, um, my destiny, honestly, which is standing right here before you right now, mm, this is my destiny. Now, there is more to it, right? 20 years from now, I'm, I, it's going to look completely different, but I'm walking in this future. I'm walking in the future that God has for me. I believe there's two paths. The enemy has a path that he wants you to walk down, and God has a path that he wants you to walk down. But I know that I'm standing in my future and my destiny right now that God has for me because I got in the right community that presented these opportunities to me that never would have been presented to me before. I was uh, 2006, uh, no, 2005, I'm sorry. It was a year before we got married. Uh, and 
uh, I was walking in the old church on Highway 18. How many of you guys have ever been to the Highway 18 location? Some of us? Okay, cool, some bets. <laughs> but I was standing right back here in this section, right in the middle. And a guy named Ryan Lamerson came up to me and said, um, where do you serve? I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't understand. Serve. I didn't understand the terminology, you know, barely in church. And he said, no, like, like one of these teams, one of the usher teams and this and that. And I'm like, no, that's probably not for me, man. Because the only thing I knew about doing ushering and, and doing anything in the church was like being a deacon. You know, that's kind of how I grew up in church. And so you have like all the people come down front and all the deacons and everybody says yay or nay. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm not qualified for that. I can promise you, you know. And he's like, no, 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 man, we don't, we don't do that like here, uh, but we, we do love to serve. And I said, well, maybe. So a few weeks went by. He was persistent. He finally got us upstairs into this little membership room. It was kind of a closet. It was very small. <laughs> and uh, we filled out some paperwork, got back in the car five minutes later. We headed home. We were kind of like, what did we just do? Like, what, what did we just sign up for, you know? Uh, but what we had done was join a community. We didn't even realize it. But I got around people. I remember the first time walking back to the usher room, right, to this little, what was a closet, literally. And uh, everybody had blue blazers, yellow tie, and a white shirt, man. It was a uniform, you know, usher uniform. And we don't do that anymore. Not that I'm against it. I actually think it would be cool. But, but I'm back there, and these guys are, like, talking about Jesus. And they're all grateful and happy to be there. And it seems like they had this common goal right? To serve God. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. You got my attention now. This is the community that I want to be a part of, but I'm kind of intimidated because I'm not really like that. But do you know to become like something and you need to get around it, right? Not be afraid of it, <laughs> but your flesh wants to run like, oh gosh, they're like huddling up and put their arms on each other, you know, telling each other, love you, man, appreciate you. And I'm like, oh, I'm not used to that, right? At all. And so I can remember that first meeting, just standing in there. We're all praying, and I'm like, these guys are unashamed of their love of Christ, and I want that. I wouldn't say that, right, because I didn't have it. I was still dealing with pride, but I wanted it. I'd never seen anything like that. So I get around this community. It led me to all these opportunities that I never would have had had I not got into this community. You know what's funny? We didn't even have life groups back then. So our serve teams were life groups. That's what they were. They acted as the same thing. But nowadays we have many, many, many life groups that you can get in that will do the exact same thing and present these opportunities that will help you get to your destiny. So uh, fast forward about, I don't know, about two years. Uh, they had moved me from the kids area to be like security as an usher up there, which was amazing. I got blessed. I got to see kids worship Jesus in a way I'd never seen before. Uh, but they moved me downstairs to the sanctuary in section one. I'll never forget the first time I got to shake Pastor Joel's hand. He was like walking down the, the wall to his seat. He walked down, shook my hand, said hello, it was so kind. And I was just blown away that he would even stop to shake somebody's hand on his way to preach, you know. And I'm like, oh, he's a real person. <laughs> he's a man. And so uh, just this relationship formed. One day he asked me to go to lunch. And I'm like looking over my shoulder like, me? You really want to go to lunch with me? And all I'm thinking of is my past. All I'm thinking of is how I'm not qualified to even be around him. And he is digging through the dirt, reaching out and saying, come on, man, there's more in you. He didn't have to say that, but that's what it was happening. He's always looking for the best and wanting to, to, to bring people into this community. And so I said, yes, we went to lunch. And three years later, 
calls me one day and said, hey, man, I've been praying about something at our church for a while. And every time I pray about it, you come up in my spirit. You should get around people who talk about hearing from God. <laughs> you should get around people who are not afraid to say, you know, God told me this the other day. It's not weird. Like, that's what you need. That's the community you need to be around is people who say, you know what? God was telling me about this the other day while I was praying. What a great statement. <laughs> you know, like that's power. He said, yeah, I've been praying about this for almost a year. And every time I pray about it, you just come up in my spirit. And I'm like, does he want me to build him a fence? Because I grew up building houses and stuff. You know, I'm like, does he want me to do something around his house? Does he want me to do something for him? And he said, no, actually, I feel like you're supposed to be our next full-time youth pastor. Yeah, I did the same thing. So, hmm, hmm. <laughs> opportunity. Because I was in a community. Very specific opportunity. I was excited, very excited, kind of in shock on cloud nine. I'd always dreamed about working at the church, but I had dreamed about cleaning toilets and changing light bulbs. That was my dream. <laughs> um, little did I know I'd be doing a lot of that same stuff too, uh, along with being a youth pastor. Went home, told my wife about it, and um, you know, a few months later was, was on staff. That's been 12 years ago. Because I was in a community, of those ushers, it led me to this opportunity to meet Pastor Joel. Led me to another opportunity to take a position as a youth pastor, which is something I never dreamed of, really didn't even want my whole life. Didn't want to be a pastor, was terrified of public speaking. But it was my destiny, it was what God had for me, it was my future that he had laid out for me. Had I never said yes to that usher team though, I never would have stepped over into this. I wouldn't be standing here talking to you today. But I'm telling you, your community right now is leading you somewhere. I didn't say this in the first service, but your community that you're in currently is leading you somewhere. That's a, that's a no-brainer. It is, good or bad. And honestly, I want you to ask yourself today, while I finish, am I in the right community? Or maybe, maybe you're not in a community at all. Maybe you've been doing life by yourself, and you're terrified to step out, maybe because you've been hurt. I'm not saying you don't have reasons, but I'm telling you, if you will step out and trust God, he will always lead you to his destiny for your life every single time. But you've got to step out and take these, these steps, these, these chances, right? And really, it's not a gamble with God. <laughs> it's a guaranteed investment. When you say yes to him, it's like the best investment you could ever make. Amen. Yeah. So last, mess, last uh, service, I, I ran out of time, and I started to rush at the end. But I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> um, so even if they come out here in a second, just, just hang in there with me. Uh, I want to finish, and I don't want to get to this point. But, you know, there's a story about uh, in, in Luke and in Ma and Mark as well uh, where Jesus had been teaching, and he's becoming very popular. And all of a sudden, uh, he realizes, man, there's people coming from all over. There's people coming from multiple cities to come hear Jesus. And it says that he was anointed. The, the presence to heal was there. The anointing from God was there to heal. And so people started coming from all over the place, like thousands of people. Well, uh, there was a group of people uh, who had a friend who just happened to be paralyzed. And it happened to be four friends and the paralyzed man. It takes four people to carry this kind of cot that he was on. Well, because they had a community and he was in that community, they heard about Jesus healing people. And they were like, hey, we got a friend who needs healing. Here's an opportunity. 
So because he couldn't physically take that opportunity, because if you really study out that word paralyzed right there, it means not able to move anything. It means not able to even talk. That's a pretty messed up place to be. I mean, that's like torment to be able to not do anything but have your mind and not be able to do anything about it. And so they knew this. They knew him. They probably, we don't know a whole lot about this story, but they probably went over there and hung out with him from time to time, probably took care of him with his family. And I believe that when they heard about this news of Jesus being a healer, they were like, okay, I don't know what this is all about, but we got to get him in the presence of Jesus, period. So they took him to this meeting. And they couldn't get in because there were so many people. Now, they had these four guys. They climbed up on this roof. They couldn't get to the front door, the back door, the windows. They climbed up on the roof. And one version, I think it's in Mark, says they tore the roof off of it. They literally tore a hole in the middle of the roof to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. It says to sit him at his feet, which means in his presence. And in that moment, Jesus looked at him and said, because of their faith, because of their faith. That word there, you know what that means? It means the same faith. That word same reminds me of what the definition of community is. People of the same attitude, the same desires, the same goals, right? Yeah. He was in a, in a community with people who had the same faith. And so because of it, they took this opportunity and took him in the presence of Jesus. And he said, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. And then he had a conversation with the Pharisees who wanted to not like Jesus in this moment, right? Because they were intimidated because they couldn't do what he was doing. Uh, and then he, he looks at the man and says, take up your bed and go home. And it says he immediately, without hesitation, took up his bed, which means he can walk now, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> he was paralyzed. He could take up his bed. And it says he went home glorifying God all the way. I believe that was his destiny, right? To glorify God all the way home and to, con to continue to do it. So because he was in a community, it led him to an opportunity for these guys to get him in front of Jesus, led him to his destiny, which is glorifying God. But right after that, it says that everybody who saw this was amazed at what they had seen and all glorified God because of it. So can you imagine if your destiny was attached to somebody else's destiny of glorifying God? Now it gets a little deeper, right? Now you begin to realize that your life has a purpose other than just for you. God wants to bless you, but he wants to use you to bless somebody else, right? Because it's not just about us. So there's three things and I'm way off my notes, but there's three things that I want to ask you guys today before we close uh, and before we kind of get out of here. I, I really believe that uh, the first thing, well, there's three things, but is I need you to ask yourself this is, am I even in community? You know, am I, am I, am I taking advantage of the community that's around me? Am I in community? And, and if you're not, We've created an opportunity for you to get in community. They're going to put a QR code up on the screen right now. So you can take your camera out. You're not going to offend me. You can take your camera out, click on this. It'll lead you to a link, okay? When you go to that link, it's our website, but it's a specific link that has two options on it. The first one, it says, join a group. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I'm not giving them my information. Just because you click on this doesn't mean we got your information, I promise. We're not going to bother you to death. But, but I do want to just present this opportunity because you came to get in this community today right? Because this is a community as well. So when, when you get in a community, there's opportunities that are being presented. I can't force you to take them. I can put it on the screen and ask you to take a picture of it though. 
there's a, and there's a, a button on there that says join a group. When you click that button, it's going to lead you to a whole list of all of our life groups that are going on right now. And we're currently adding more to it all the time. But that's if you don't have a community at all, I want you to join a group. But what if you do have the community and you realize while you're sitting here, it's not the right community. <laughs> I'm, I'm not around people who are glorifying God. I'm not listening to people who are talking about Jesus or want to be a better spouse or want to be a better parent. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like you, you get around these communities and like, you know, this is not helping anybody. And I'm not being judgmental here, but what I am saying is that there is a community that can help you. There's a community that can lift you up. And as you're being lifted up, I guarantee you there's some gold in you that's going to lift somebody else up too. But you got to get around people who are going to pull that out of you and not be intimidated or judgmental or critical of the dirt. That's a whole nother message. <laughs> so if you realize you're not in the right community, we're giving you that opportunity to get in one. I'm not saying you have to like ditch everybody you know and jump in this one unless God tells you to. But I'm just saying like you start getting in the right community and all of a sudden the the wrong communities just start to kind of fade away a little bit. And before you know it, it's like, hey, guys, I I can't do that anymore. I I got this other group of friends and you're more than welcome to come with me. But, But these guys are lifting me up and building me up and beginning to show me who I am and what I'm created for. Destiny. And sometimes they'll come with you, but sometimes they won't. You can't force that. So don't be worried about that. And then the third question, I love this one, is who can I invite into my community? Because, see, I'm not saying everybody in here needs all this, but I am saying some, some, some people in here have a really good community. I have a healthy community. I have people I love doing life with. I have, you know, good people who are lifting me up all the time. I'll call and be like, I need some encouragement or whatever. And they know exactly what I need. I have a community here, even on staff. I love the staff here. I love the staff at Word of Life Church. And it's just really, really rich. And there's people who uh, know me well enough to know that uh, my demeanor, the way of my, my body language, they know if something's wrong, they don't have to ask. They just know. And they're like, hey, let's go grab lunch. A community that knows you well. But what if I'm in my community and I'm so closed off to anybody else that I don't let anybody in and I don't take the time to look up and say, you know what, who, who is one person that I can invite into my community that I know is healthy and that I know if they will get out of that community and come in this one, their whole life will change. I think sometimes we get so, I don't want to say self-centered, but like so focused on our community, we don't allow anybody else in. But that's not the gospel. Right? We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go to all the world and say, hey, I got something better than that. Why don't you come over here? It's life. It's truth. It's everything that God's called us to do. It's, it's our absolute destiny that he's called us to do. And so if this is you, and maybe you have a community, but you've never thought of it as a group or never even thought about other people coming into it, take like two or three people out of that group and say, hey, let's do a life group together this year. Let's do a group and let's invite some other people that we may not know that we can clearly see they need some help. Let's just invite them to this group and talk about Jesus or watch football and then at the end talk about Jesus or whatever it is. It's like, you know, it's not complicated and you're probably already doing it. You just didn't know that it could be a group. It's really simple. But at that same QR code, when you go on there, it says find a group. But this one, there's also a button that says lead a group. Now, I know most of you are like, oh, I don't know about that. No, we're going to train you. We're going to show you how, to, how simple it really is and how you're probably already doing it anyway. So there's nothing to fear. But, but I know that community is so, so crucial and so key. 
And I think I'm going to close. How about that? That means it's official. When, when I was listening to Mark Rick share that story, that wasn't, that wasn't the whole story. That was just a piece of it. The part I didn't share with you was when he was a graduate assistant at Florida State for Bobby Bowden. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Yeah. It's funny how the, the, the media portrays certain people certain ways, but when you dig down under the surface and you get past all that, you really find out. You get to see their heart. And I, it's just amazing what they do for people, what coaches do for people. If you're a coach in here, I'm grateful for you. You have more platform and more intimacy with these kids who are going to change the world than ever before. But uh, Mark was saying he was at a meeting, <clears throat> and uh, it was the next day after a tragic event happened on the Florida State campus. Uh, it was right before school started, and they had had a big night. Like, a, you know, half the team, I think, went home to be with their families, and half the team stayed. And he was kind of sharing this, like, this one guy, this big defensive tackle. He was a star player. Everybody knew him. And he kind of was, I don't want to say arrogant. Let's just say he was confident <laughs> and, uh, and who he was, um, but maybe a little over. And he was out one night, and he, he irritated a guy. He said something kind of bullying a guy or said something smart to somebody. And he just kind of blew it off, and the guy got mad, and he left. Well, nobody ever thought about it again except for the guy he made mad. That guy went home, got a shotgun, and came back and had his friend go into the dorm and call that guy out. And the guy was like, I'm not turning down a fight. He came out there, and he's like, you're not going to shoot me. Pulled the gun up and shot him point blank in front of everybody there. Half the football team. This is legit. Like, this is not just a story. This happened. <clears throat> killed him instantly point blank with a shotgun you don't make that you don't survive that and the next day coach Bobby Bowden called a team meeting and they're in a room probably about the size of these two sections right here and he points to the front row in an empty seat and he said Pablo is not in his seat today and he said um does anybody know where he is today? Because he's not here. And things got real. <laughs> this is a college football team. And he said, I don't know where he's at today. And he's like, that bothers me. And he said, so from here on out, we're going to fix that. And he said, I'm going to ask you the same question. If you're, if you're here today, but you knew you weren't in that seat tomorrow, where would you be if you weren't in that seat tomorrow? And I'm like, I'm in a, I'm in a, a a luncheon, listening to Mark Rick tell this story. And I'm just like bawling all these tough FCA guys, you know, around me. I'm like, whoo, buddy, that's powerful. Puts things in perspective. And he said, you could have heard a pin drop in there. And what Mark said was that he was on the very back row, a graduate assistant coaching the quarterbacks or something. And he said, I had to ask myself the same question because he said, honestly, I didn't know where I would be. And he said he got up, made a decision for Jesus right there in that room along with a ton of other people and got his life right. And he said, when I said, like, Jesus, I need you, when I prayed that prayer of salvation that we always pray, he said, it, it wasn't just a prayer. He said, something clicked, something happened. He said, this peace that I had never experienced before in my life just washed over me. 
And he said, it just seemed like all my worries and my stresses just became less. And I began to see, oh man, there's more. There's more. He gave his life to Jesus that day. He coached under Bobby Bowden for, I think, 12 more years, became offensive coordinator, and then left to go to Georgia to be a coach there. So we'll fast forward to when he was laying on that table and everything got black around him. It kind of closed in. He said in that moment, the first thing he remembered was the peace that washed over him. And he said, I knew I was about to meet Jesus because it was the same peace that he'd experienced the first time he ever made a decision for Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His peace is always good. It's always peaceful. It's always the same. I love that. I can read books from 200 years ago and you sense the spirit of God, the same peace that's on those words. That's the same peace that I know today is the presence of God. It's so remind, such a reminder, such a refreshing reminder that God is always the same. He's always there and he's always waiting on you to get in this community. <laughs> the kingdom community. It's an awesome community. Are people perfect? No. Is there a perfect life group? Other than the Trinity, no. (laughs) But if you get in a group that's focused and has the same goals and interest and and attitude with God at the center of it, you you get to partake in some of that. You get to experience that in your life. That's all I want to say today. It's just, gosh, find your group. I want to ask you to do this. I want to pray before we leave. So if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes with me, because I want to make sure that every single person in here has an opportunity to know, like that guy, if you, where you would be if you weren't sitting in that seat tomorrow, or where you would be if you didn't go to work tomorrow. If, you know what I'm saying? Like where you would be if something happened between now and tomorrow. This is not about fear. This is about confidence and knowing what you need and knowing for without a shadow of a doubt that no matter what happens, you've got a peace that will carry you through to your destiny, which is ultimately living eternity with Jesus. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for everyone who's here today. We thank you, Lord, for just your presence right now. And, Father, we just thank you. If there's anybody in here that needs to make a decision, Holy Spirit, just deal with their heart right now. Yeah. I just feel led to say this. I can't tell you how many services I sat in before I was 23 years old. A lot. I'd sit there and my heart would be pounding out of my chest. I'd be scared to death because I felt like they were going to ask me to do something weird. It was going to embarrass me. It's not about that. That's not God. But if you're here today and you need to make a decision, you need to do that legitimately do it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Be real with yourself. Humble yourself. Be honest with yourself and be like, you know what? I need help. Because it says with a humble heart, the grace comes. When you humble yourself and ask God for help, asking for help is an act of humility. It immediately gets met with grace every single time. The grace to save (laughs) through your faith and believing in him. So if you're here today and you need to make a decision for Jesus, for the first time, but also if you're here today and you've been kind of going back and forth and playing with it, and maybe you had some type of an experience when you were a kid, um, but that's all you've ever had and you want more, oh, I'm telling you, there's more. 
So if you're here today, you need to make a decision for Jesus for the first time. Or if you know that there is more, there is a better and bigger community for you to get into. I just want you to do one thing. It's really simple. I'm not going to ask you to come down here, but I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand right where you're sitting. Raise them up. Thank you, Lord. And it's not for me. It's to show, Lord, hey, Lord, I need help. It's an act of surrender. Grace is going to you right now. Yeah. Don't worry about those things. Every, some of you right now, even with your hand up, your, your mind is trying to wonder, like, what about this? What about that? God's not worried about that. He's worried about you. He's not worried about anything, but he's focused on your destiny, your future. That's it. He's not worried about your past. And you shouldn't worry about your past either. Just move forward into his forgiveness, into your destiny, into his love. Thank you. Anybody else? You can put your hand up. It's not too late. Thank you. I see those hands. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died for me on a cross. And three days later, you rose again to save me for eternity. Jesus, I receive my salvation. I believe that. And I declare that you are my Lord and you are my Savior right now in Jesus' name. Amen.